make money online. So I'm of the opinion that it's valuable for consultants to have a product, uh, something that it's a PDF, it's a book, uh, it doesn't, where it's a screencast, it doesn't require you to actually do client service work, but it's something people could pay you money for. It's something that establishes your worldview, establishes your authority. Uh, and I don't think that these necessarily need to be 60, 70, 80,000 word long books. This could be a 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 word mini booklet that you just attach a price to and it helps inform a prospective client about the type of work you do, how you work, the methodology you use. Uh, you could shunt clients who aren't a good fit, fit to it. You could promote it. You could bundle it with your service offerings. But I think there's a lot of value in having uh, a 29 or a 39 or a $49, let's call it an entry-level, sub-$50, very simple product available uh, uh, with some caveats that we'll get into in a little bit. But I'm very much a proponent of this. And this connects to a lot of the talking Nick and I have done about the value of adding products into your product orbit or your service orbit as a consultant, I think a great place to start is with a sawdust, uh, pieces of material you already have laying around, tutorials, standard operating procedures, clean them up, put them into a book-shaped thing, release them to people, make them available, and it might not drive a lot of revenue, but the goal isn't necessarily to drive a lot of revenue off the bat. It's to say, I have created my first product. Dear client, if you're interested in working with me, you could buy this $29, $39, $49, $99 product to learn about my methodology, my process, my worldview, and then move forward. Uh, uh, there's a self-consistency aspect to it where once somebody has decided to pay you money, they're more likely to pay you money in the future. So by having a lower-priced offering, you're able to get people across that threshold and have them primed to say, oh yes, I enjoyed buying that $29, $39 product. Let me buy that $59 or $99 product next. Let me buy that $1,000 service offering and move themselves up your service and product ladder. But I think it starts from defining a small initial offering and making it available for sale. Yeah. I'm a little wary about products that are that cheap um and i know i probably shouldn't be it's weird to say all of this i it's also doubly weird on a podcast where our about page costs a staggering five dollars right like Can we raise that could probably i mean yeah there's like editing three numbers in stripe man it's pretty easy With the conversion rates we're getting i tell you we will yeah, what well, we need are fewer customers. But, we uh, really do. Re okay, so just to lay it all out on the table, the cheapest product that I have is $35 for Cadence and Slang's PDF, and it's only the PDF. That's it. Um, after that, you're basically in $50 territory for the full book. If you buy just the PDF, you get a link from me to buy the book for $15 plus shipping. That's good for life uh, because I don't believe you should have to pay twice for the same thing. The reason I have Cadence and Slang priced at $50, I have said this in so many bars in so many parts of the world, is that if you are a designer, developer, and you uh, read Cadence and Slang at a pretty average pace, it takes you about two hours to read. If it saves you a half hour or two and a half hours of your time, so like a quarter day of your time, it has paid for itself. If you're like billing out at $100 an hour, right? And when people start to see the calculus of it, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense, right? 
then I see all these other people in the design industry billing their books out at $15, $20. And I think the reason that they do that, and part of this is a factor of my background, to be clear, this hesitation. I think part of the reason they do that is because the book is the portfolio piece for them. And they just want to flag as somebody who has a dope book. Um, but what happens in that situation is you get customers that don't fit your positioning quite as well. And they're le- the customers that do come in are less likely to take you seriously. People who read Cadence and Slang, uh, they generally, when they buy it, they actually read it. There was a long time when Cadence and Slang cost less money and people bought it to put it on their bookshelf so that they could look cool. I didn't bust my ass for two and a half years on this book and then again for another half of a year on this book so that you could go ahead and do that. There's a time and a place for objects like that in one's home. It won't be mine. I physically mail every single one of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So towards that end, I make sure that the price is high enough that you feel at least a little bit of pain about it. There's that. Um, That's one thing I do wrong. Another thing I do wrong is I don't really provide sales. There might be launch discounts, and I might bundle things together and give you a slight discount, but there's never going to be a situation where I'm like suddenly, hey, Cadence and Slang is $10 off this week, only go and buy it. That's the thing I do really horribly wrong because it probably harms my sales really significantly. Why do I do that? I don't want people to be coming in with a bargain hunting mindset. I want them to be coming in saying, I want this thing. I'm confident. I know that it will help me in my business. And I know in reality, humans are way weirder than that, right? So in practice, people want the bargain, and then you sidle them with the thing, and then they're like, now I have this great thing, and I got a bargain. They feel good because they got a bargain. You feel good because you sold them a thing, right? I could hike Cadence and Slang's price to $60 and dock it to 50 all the time and have a running discount. But then I flag as the type of person who has discounts. There are numerous... And the reason I, the fundamental reason I do this is because I am not a contractor, I am a consultant. And designers get horrendously underpaid still in the year of our Lord 2017 and horrendously undervalued. The way to solve that as a designer is to position yourself as a luxury good, as a prize to be had. And you do not do that by throwing a fucking sale. You don't. People take you less seriously. I completely agree with that. And I love your point about uh, uh, the time-based return. If your book, you know, takes a couple hours to read and saves somebody X hours of their time, it's a mind-boggling return on investment. And I use that same argument when it comes to like a $19 or a $29 product. But when you run through the equation, it needs to save somebody less time. So for example, I released a product recently to my mailing list, my uh, client qualification questionnaire. And it's the questions I ask every prospect who I get on a call with to determine whether we're a good fit, what the project is, what exactly they need help with, what outcomes they're searching for, and uh, why, why exactly do they want to work with me? Why not somebody more affordable? And it took me about three years of iteration and research to arrive on these questions that I ask. And so I packaged it up and I was thinking, and I was like, wow, you know, if somebody reads this and it saves them one client, it's going to save them hours of time. It could save them hours of bad email exchanges. And I wanted to make it available as a 
more affordable product, even though the price is there, so or the value is there. So I priced it at $19 because, again, it's short. It's through Remark. I think it turned out being a five-page document. It's centered around these, I think, six essential questions. And just knowing the questions gives you the ammunition to protect yourself from the bad clients that are out there. Consuming the information isn't going to take a lot of time. So if somebody's able to spend $19, buy this product, spend 10, 15 minutes reading it and taking the questions and putting it in a swipe file that they could reference, they're going to get a mind-boggling return on investment just from that small uh, uh, purchase. And again, we circle back to that consistency. I want people to be comfortable buying my products because they had a good experience buying my products previously. And so having these small, tiny, self-contained products at $19 or $29 each that eventually get bundled up into a larger $49 or a $79 product and then bundled up again to a $299 or a $499 product, people feel more comfortable buying from me because they were able to sample the waters at a lower price with a smaller fix and then move up at their own pace to a larger fix that provides more value at a higher price point. So my logic behind it is I want an array of offerings that straddles the two, the three, and the four-figure price points. And the two-figure uh, price points become an opportunity for somebody to come in the door and start working together, buy a thing and have a good experience with it. From there, they're more likely to buy, you know, the upper end two-figure, the lower end three-figure. And from there, the upper end three-figure, lower end four-figure products. But it's training them for that self-consistency. I bought the thing. I received value. I enjoyed it. Kai is a nice person. I'm going to buy the next thing next time it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely something to be had for getting people in the habit of paying you and starting it in a low-risk way makes sense. Like, I agree with the conceit. I think that I do a similar thing in terms of my product ladder. I just start you at $50 instead of $30. And where you choose to start that is, I think, a philosophical matter that um, you have to spend a lot of time settling on. It's not something that just you figure it out and it's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, I also kind of start people by teaching them with my free stuff. Like, you can learn a lot from my free stuff. And we've talked a lot about that. But again, they're not going through the process of my checkout form right? Mm -hmm. I want to get people very used to entering their credit card details in my checkout form. Right. Yeah, same. And one thing I'm about to start playing around with, I think as we record it this week, it should be launching this week, I'm launching a product to my list and I want people to become more comfortable with the checkout form. So I'm offering two options. You could buy it for $19 or here's a discount code. It's going to vanish in a couple of days. So you only have a short window to use it. You could buy it for a dollar. And I've explained this idea to a couple of people you include, and people are like, that's weird. Why are you doing that? And it comes back to that main point we just discussed. I want people to become comfortable going through my checkout form. I want people to become comfortable with that process of buying a thing when I launch it. I don't want them to be like, this is new. I've never clicked here. I've never seen checkout before. What's this? There's a testimonial. I need to read this. I want them to be like, ah, I've done this before. Credit card information is saved. Let's do it. Let's buy the thing. I'm so happy about this. So by launching these smaller things at a lower price point, even in testing the waters with this weird, strange tactic of it's a dollar for the short amount of time, I'm seeing if it increases the number of conversions and gets more people more comfortable with the process of paying me money through my checkout system. Maybe it'll be a success or maybe it'll be a failure, but the cost to me to do that is really, really low. And it feels like the upside of making people more comfortable with spending money on my website 
has a huge potential upside to it. Yeah, you want getting people into that habit is one of the biggest challenges. And whatever you can do to facilitate that, I mean, that's basically what conversion optimization is, right? Like <laughs> you're you're removing the friction points in the places where somebody may happen to be leaking revenue and doing what you can to try and accommodate them and doing it in a way that is still honoring your own principles. Right. Yeah. I, I think one important point that we both agree on here is there's a lot of value in having pure product offerings or a base product offering that doesn't require you to do any service. Use something like Gumroad or uh, uh, get DPD to handle the delivery, but you don't necessarily need to do the consulting part of it. And I'd say you, that first product can be smaller than you expect it to be. It doesn't need to be 30,000 words. It could be 4,000 words that teaches somebody something that saves them two or three hours of their time. And that can provide a huge return on investment for that buyer. And it could be easier to create something like that than you think. The first version of my first ebook came from me taking sawdust from four or five different projects I was working on, uh, templates from one thing, uh, an outline from another, refining it and working it together and saying like, oh, cool, this is, you know, it's short, but it's valuable and gives direction. I'm going to release it as a product. And from there, it's grown and grown over time. But it started for me just picking up some things I had lying around and saying, hey, I could sort of put these into a product shape thing. Let's see what happens if I launch it. If people will buy it, people bought it, and it moved me forward in that direction. So I think just taking those pre-existing components and making them available for sale can be a huge level up and suddenly make it so you have extended your product offerings to include lower price, no touch things that people buy. Yeah, I think there's something to like what the first thing bought is, right? And and that sets the tone. So was it on a discount? How much did it cost? What value did I receive from it? What um, what content was it? How does it fit with the other things that he has or she? And so there's that's the bigger question than necessarily a $29 product. Because first off, you're hemming yourself into a $29 product. Uh, the last thing I want is for everybody listening to this episode to go out and make a product that costs exactly $29, right? You want a product that makes sense as a good entry product. You want a product that it could be $10, it could be $50, it could be $30. You don't know, right? Um, but be careful and intentional about what that thing is because it's the thing that's hopefully going to get bought the most frequently yeah it needs to be coherent with your other product offerings or service offerings so like uh, uh let's take the example of draft for a second and say okay we could launch a service offering for draft or a product for draft that's like your essential consulting checklist the 10 things you need to do to grow your business It'd be valuable. It'll teach people things, but it wouldn't ladder up into your other service offerings. But something like draft analysis, where it's teaching people the fundamentals of effective uh, uh, conversion-based design for e-commerce stores, that's an effective thing for somebody to come in the door and say, oh, this will teach me things. This will help me save time. This will help me learn what I need to do to get more conversions on my website. This will give me ideas to start testing from. Then they can actually ladder up into uh, the A-B testing manual, Revise Express, or a draft revise engagement, because there's there's that coherence in theme and topic across these different materials. Yeah. Yeah, and your we've talked a lot about the value of a product ladder on that front, so it's... No one 
probably no one is going to be buying my book anything that i own or the anything that i have on offer more than my book right cadence and sling has sold around 3500 copies as of right now and that's amazing but i also i'm pretty clear-eyed about the fact that you know there aren't 3500 draft revised clients there aren't 3500 draft analysis customers so so yeah um I think those are the important things to be thinking about when you're doing kind of an entry level product and what it looks like. And yeah, and echoing on in terms of what it looks like, the most valuable areas I've seen entry level products come from have been taking standard operating procedures you've defined, cleaning them up and turning them into a thing. Even if it's just like, here's the 15 things you need to do as a checklist. That's valuable. I don't need to find that myself. Thank you. Uh, if there's common advice you give in reports around a topic, like these are the 10 things that every site or every business needs to be doing that they aren't doing, you probably should be doing them, that you essentially can just copy and paste between engagements because it's usually the same advice, that should be split off or could be split off into its own product. Anything where you are delivering the same type of advice, of advice again and again can become its own product and will be, by definition, coherent with the other service offerings you have available because it's in a sense split off from those larger service offerings yeah yeah just bundling a checklist like bundling something really simple like i added a bunch of checklists and to-do lists to the a b testing manual and boosted the price it was it was as easy as that um, people pay for checklists and toolkits all the time if you're a designer package some icons together um Package some standard operating procedures and templates together. Those are so valuable. I, I just went through a slight rewrite of the Outreach Blueprint. And uh, uh, for folks that aren't familiar with it, it's my book on how to email anyone and get a response at outreachblueprint.com. And I split it into tiers. And in the middle tier, I added another 30 email templates covering like uh, sales outreach, market research, uh, marketing outreach, uh, uh, referral outreach, uh, another two bonus videos, a couple procedures and checklists, like additional valuable content that people had requested and that I had lying down or lying around. And in the four days since I've soft launched this, I haven't even announced it to my list yet. Every single copy that is sold has sold at a price point three times the original price point. And it's A, the power of tiers because tiers really work well with information products and B, because I was providing these additional off-the-shelf resources. It's a larger template library, which was easier for me to easy for me to create, but incredibly valuable for anybody that says, I want to do an outreach campaign. I want to do an outreach campaign to get referrals from my past clients. What do I say? Here's literally the six email sequence I endorse and advocate. Get started with this today. It provides so much value to have those SOPs or those checklists or those templates or those resource libraries just bundled in or even just available as a standalone product. One thing I haven't made available yet but really want to is, you know, Kai's collection of template library or uh, Kai's universal template library. Get started with this, an email for any situation you need. It's all off the shelf. It's all valuable. It solves pains that I know people are experiencing. It's just bundling it together and making it available as a product. And there you go.